Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is up there, hikers? It is Andy Neal here, bringing you the podcast that gets to know the hikers behind the trekking poles, the podcast that asks the why questions of hiking, the podcast that asks hikers, how has hiking changed you, and how are you changing the world around you? That's right. You are listening to the Hiker Podcast. Hiker Podcast is brought to you by our amazing sponsors, Kanak Outdoors. I love Kanak. Oh, gosh, I love Kanak. Makers of the carbon fiber core trekking poles and all your water storage needs while on the trail. Um, I've told the story so many times it, it feels redundant, but I've, they're, 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 they're the one trucking poles that can handle me. Um, I've, they, they are amazing and, um, I've tried to break them and, but not only are they amazing, they're an amazing company. They're a B Corp. They're just, oh, oh, Gilad and Mika are, are, are amazing people, owners and, um, check them out if you're looking for a pair of trekking poles and, uh, just, yeah, they're just amazing. Also our Sponsors Gregory Packs make amazing packs for the trail, including the first line. The first, they were the first of plus size packs for fat and plus size hikers. Uh, I love my friends at Gregory and my fellow ambassadors there, so check them out. But this week, I'm not going to mince words. This is a very important episode. We have Cal Starburst Dobbs on the show. Cal is a 26 year old queer and trans hiker, runner, and teacher. They are the first known transgender person to complete the triple crown of hiking. Cal used his 7,000 mile backpacking trip to raise, of, of, the, of the triple crown, to raise $7,000 for the Trevor Project, an organization that provides resources and support for LGBTQ plus youth and allies. And this year, Cal will be running across the United States of America to raise awareness about anti-trans legislation and fundraise for local groups working to protect and advocate for trans youth. This was an amazing conversation. It's about an hour long. I was so excited to have Cal on the show, and they were absolutely a pleasure to interview and speak with. And so without any further ado, my conversation with Cal Starburst Dogs. So you may have seen our next guest on my friend Jenny Brusso's Unlikely Hikers, um, Triple Crowner, Cal Dobbs, Starburst, is on the show. Cal, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a rainy sideways, si- raining sideways day here in Ashland, but you know, hopefully the power will hold up for this interview. Um, but And at least we're not in Buffalo, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy there's no snow here. Like I keep telling myself, at least there's not snow. At least there's not snow yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just starting right out, go ahead and introduce yourself. If you ran to somebody on the trail, you know, and they want to know more about you, what would you tell them? Absolutely. Well, my name is Cal. My trail name is Starburst. My pronouns are they, he, and I am the first known trans person to complete the Triple Crown of Hiking, which is the top three national scenic trails, the uh, Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, and the Pacific Crest Trail. It took me about four years to complete um, this achievement. And um, I am using, I used all of my hikes and continue to use my adventures um, to, you know, educate people about trans inclusion and LGBTQ issues in the outdoors and our world at large, um, as well as to fundraise for the Trevor Project, which is an awesome national organization that provides a lot of resources to queer youth, um, does a lot of advocacy work. So that's something I feel really passionate about. Um, 
off trail. I'm a high school teacher and running coach, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But next, well, this spring actually is 2023 now. I will be running across America um, to continue doing that educational and advocacy work for um, trans people, trans youth specifically. Um, raising awareness about uh, anti-trans sports bills and um, legislation bar uh, prohibiting like gender affirming health care in various states. Um, probably anyone listening knows that um, this is kind of like the worst, <laughs> the worst time for um, queer and trans people in the United yes. States. There's this renewed attack on um, trans people in the media and in our, um, you know, political arenas. And so as a trans athlete, I feel very uniquely positioned and I feel a strong sense of responsibility to use this platform that I have in the outdoor community to, you know, really call people in. I think that a lot of advocacy and activism in these spaces, it's not about calling people out. It's about calling people in and saying like, hey, we're all in this together. We have this common love for our sport, common love for the outdoors. And we all want to see a community that's founded on love and trust and friendship. And um, so let's call everybody in. Let's like help each other out. Let's connect with each other. So. I know that was a that was a long introduction, but oh, that was yeah. awesome! I, I love what you said there. It's not about calling people out; it's about calling people in. Um, and I, curious about your journey getting into the outdoors, being being a a queer and trans hiker. This space is very, very let's just say it, white male, mm-hmm. um, het cis. You know, very not queer and trans. Yeah. <laughs> um, very, very toxic. That is changing because of the great work by so many people out in the outdoors, including Jenny Bruso and others. Um, what got you into the outdoors? What, what, what made you say, hey, I want to go, you know, hike 7,000 miles in the AT, the, you know, the CDT and the PCT? That's such a great question. Um, and I think that my journey to the outdoors is is kind of circuitous and funny, as I think most of us will find and reflected in our own stories, um, you're absolutely right that kind of paradoxically, the outdoors is, have become, you know, these like colonized spaces of immense privilege, um, which is so funny because people look at you on a through hike and they assume you're homeless, you know, like you look like, and you would think going into the woods costs you nothing. Right. And yet there are huge barriers to entry in a lot of outdoor spaces. And that was the case for me being raised in a low income family in Los Angeles. Um, I wasn't introduced to backpacking until I went to college with a bunch of rich kids and bless their hearts. They introduced me to the world of backpacking. And I was like, this is for me. Um, I do have a history in athletics. I was I've been a runner. I was a collegiate runner. Um, So you know, a lot of people see this upcoming run across America for me as a departure from the world of backpacking. But for me, it's actually coming home um, to the spaces that I'm most familiar with, which is running. Um, But yeah, I I knew that I, uh, there was something that was calling me to these natural spaces. There was, I've always been an endurance athlete. So there was something really attractive about a a through hike, Um, something just about me that's intrinsic in me is like my desire to be independent and self-sufficient. And so through hiking felt very, um, you know, uh, appropriate for that. And then when I did my first through hike in 2018, that's, you know, I was out as queer, but that's really when I started to think more and become more aware of gender identity and, um, was exposed to, all sorts of different people that made me think about, well, who am I in this world? And so my relationship with um, backpacking and long distance hiking really changed me as a person and gave me a platform to reflect on a lot of things that we don't actually have time to usually in our regular lives. And so, um, 
you know, it helped me cultivate my relationship with myself. I, I was afraid to be alone before I did the AT. Now I love being alone. I was really, honestly, as a city kid, I was terrified of the woods. I've grown to feel very comfortable and like that, like it's sort of like a warm embrace from nature. It's not like a, you know, adversarial relationship anymore. And that really helped me come into myself as a queer and trans person too. Cause I always say this, like, Nature doesn't discriminate. So why should we? And being in these natural spaces full of like love and acceptance from mother nature, I was able to learn to love and accept myself and others. Um, So I keep coming back because they're such sacred spaces that return, help me return to myself in this really busy and stressful world. I don't have to contend with the projections of you know, society. Um, I don't have to deal with, you know, misgendering and things like that. And I often find that the people I meet are some of the most interesting, compassionate, like intelligent and cool, weird people I've ever met. So that's what got me into the outdoors. And that's what keeps me coming back. So you, you get into the outdoors and then you, you do the AT. Mm -hmm. It's life changing. Heard it from so many other hikers. Um, what was your reception as a queer person on the AT? Um, I've heard so many different stories. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was your reception on the trail um, in a part of the country that is admittedly very anti-queer for yeah. the first half of the AT at least? Yeah, I really appreciate this question. You know, I wasn't out as trans when I did the AT. Um, I was out as queer, but I learned pretty quickly to not mention that to anyone. Um, You know, it was rough. I wouldn't even say from, uh, it wasn't even like people think, you know, the people in the towns, it was other hikers usually sort of at shelters. I was often, you know, the only at the time, you know, female presenting person in those spaces. And there was a lot of homophobia. I would say primarily the the thing that scared me the most on that particular hike was the sexism. And this is something I hear from so pretty much every, you know, woman identified or, you know, gender nonconforming person that I've seen in the outdoors or met. Everybody has a story of sexism on trail. And that's not a geographically based experience that is everywhere. And that extends beyond outdoor spaces Mm -hmm. too. So I did learn pretty quickly to hide my queerness, um, but I couldn't hide my gender. And then of course, now as a, as a trans person, arguably, you know, I would experience a little bit worse of a version of, of sexism or transphobia, but, um, it's not the outdoor community is in so many ways a welcoming and loving accepting space and simultaneously we have a really long way to go um you know i am white i feel very it's it's a privilege to be white in these like white spaces but that is not something that keeps you know non-white hikers safe in those spaces and that's not again it's not ge- geography based that's anywhere you go in the outdoors. Um, you know, I was raised in a low income family. There's a huge financial barrier to entry in these spaces. That's something I experience in any activity in the outdoors. Um, transphobia, as we see, like in this year alone, over 300 anti-LGBTQ bills were introduced in 49 out of 50 states, I believe. So, we want to try to feel like we have some agency, some control over these things. So we like to, you know, point fingers at different people or places or what have you, but that is not the reality of my experience as a queer and trans person in the outdoors. These are systems and structures that we are all socialized into. We are all subject to. They're in TV, they're in movies. I mean, we teach them in schools and we don't mean to. It's not like, oh, you're bad. It's, it's nobody's fault. It's just that this is the society we live in. But we do have agency over choosing, do we want to build something better? Do we want to build something new? And I think, you know, let it, let it begin with me. You know, let it begin today here on the podcast. Someone listening might learn something. And that's, that's how revolution happens is with love, you know, calling people in. 
I love that. And I also love you say it's, it's not, I know I pointed to the, the Southern United States and that's, you know, when we think of racism in the United States, that's normally what we think of. Mm-hmm. But I was talking um, at PCT days this year um, with a uh, triple crown hiker who is a, is a person of color. And he told me the most racism he experienced on the trail was in Northern California and Southern Oregon. That's right. Oh, I'm not surprised. Like, like the second I saw those state of Jefferson flags, I'm like, what is that? And then, mm-hmm. then it was just bad. I'm like, oh my goodness. And that's yeah. my home. <laughs> that's where Absolutely. I live. <laughs> and it's like, okay, all right. It's not, it, it's a bigger, it's, it, it's a bigger problem. It's just that we hide it really good in Oregon. Um, that's right. You know, and we, yeah. we, we, don't, we don't realize that this is a problem we all need to work on. Um, what, what, came over you to go and continue on to the cdt and the pct though uh, for a lot of people it's like you do the at you had this life-changing experience all right that's good i'm gonna go back to my life but you kept going mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't get enough keep coming back i really appreciate you asking this question because i think for some people it's very romantic like wow i just fell in love with it and i wanted to do it again I would say that it was, it could not be more of an opposite experience for me. I had a terrible experience on the AT. And to give a bit more detail, um, shed some more light on what I was mentioning before about sexism, I was actually a victim of several instances of sexual harassment and a couple instances of sexual assault from fellow hikers on the AT. That's why I'm pretty intentional about saying, listen, This is an internal community problem we have in the hiker community. We cannot point fingers at people in the towns. Um, This is, it's dangerous when you have a bunch of people in the middle of the woods who are, for all intents and purposes, anonymous. I mean, we see that in our digital spaces. Anonymity galvanizes a lot of people to do some pretty shitty things. So I had that experience on the AT and it almost stopped me in my tracks. I had to get off trail for a couple months for personal safety. Um, I was stalked by a hiker and I was faced with the decision of like, am I going to let this keep me out of these spaces that I have a right to be in? And I said, if I give up now, what is that saying to all of the other, you know, woman identified people, queer people, trans people, and, and even men, even cis men, what is that saying to all those people if I just give up? So I was determined. That sort of like renewed this fire and passion that I had for, I know I belong here. I know that I love the outdoor community. The majority of my experiences have been positive, And I know that I love Mother Nature herself. So it's incumbent on me to talk about this stuff and to change the culture. So that's what I did. And that's when I decided to, you know, I had already finished the AT. I didn't have the experience that I thought I would have, that magical experience in the woods, you know, skipping down the trail. But what I did find was my own strength and my voice out there. So I continued. And that's when I decided to do the CDT. And that's a much more remote trail. So I didn't actually encounter hardly any hikers out there because I started really early. And um, so, you know, I wasn't, I didn't face the same threat of, you know, sexism or or sexual harassment. Um, A lot of hikers on the CDT, the culture is very different. It's a lot more serious. You know, everyone has this baseline of respect for you just for being out there. So I found people were incredibly respectful, incredibly Um, sensitive and kind. And that helped me have, you know, replace all those difficult experiences with positive ones. And also I was out as trans on the CDT. So, you know, that was another thing I was scared of was like, how is my community going to receive me? And it was so overwhelmingly positive. Um, You know, and then on the PCT, I was hiking with my girlfriend who is also trans and the two of us together, you know, we, by that point had kind of a larger social media following. And so people recognized us and, um, found nothing but love, support and respect. And, um, I think that that really speaks to the power of honesty and vulnerability in public spaces, because when you're honest and vulnerable, you know, there's so many people in the outdoor community, they feel so alone. They don't see their, stories reflected back to them. So once you start speaking out, 
people appreciate it. People respond and that makes them feel empowered and loved and less alone. So um, that's what got me, you know, coming back after that first initial kind of scary experience on the AT. Wow. Curious. As you're, as you're going through this journey, um, how has, how did the hiking, the, the, you know, getting the outdoors, um, from, from a mental health perspective, how did that, um, speak to you? How did, how did that help you along your journey as, as coming out as queer and then trans? Um, what was there, was there mental health benefits to that, that you're like, wow, this journey I'm taking, you know, finding myself, you know, figuring out who I am also has has been, has been helped by this journey I'm taking, you know, walking 7,000 miles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as anyone can imagine, you got a lot of time to think when you're walking for three years straight, you know, (laughs) a lot of time to think, spending a lot of time with yourself, which, um, I think a pretty common experience is you, um, you know, you spend a lot of time with yourself and you're like, wow, you know, I don't know if I like myself too much. (laughs) I think I've, you know, unearthed some things I'd like to, to think about and to work on. Um, but something I will say, so absolutely the answer to your question is yes, absolutely. I think the outdoors has so many inherent healing properties for our physical, our mental, our spiritual, our emotional selves. But I think the key is choice and consciousness because clearly the people that I encountered, um, you know, of, of some moral deficit on the AT, they were not engaged with the healing properties of nature. There's no way that you can be disrespectful to someone and also be connected to to nature, you know? So it's like, okay, well, how do thousands of people go into the outdoors and kind of come out on the other side, you know, not to make a value judgment, being kind of crappy people, you know, like what's up with that? And I think it's because you have to have that intention and make that intentional choice when you're entering these spaces. Um, and that is something that I've, that I've been very intentional about that I talk about intentionally, um, it's a, it's an invitation to connect with other people in the outdoors on that level, sort of a deeper, less superficial level, um, because it's all there. Nature is filled with abundance. It's filled with lessons. It's filled with, with this ancient knowledge that has the ability to move you, but only if you let it. So that's a commitment that I have to make over and over and over again, pretty much every time I'm in nature, I have to recommit to essentially being open and being vulnerable and allowing these spaces to to move me and to change me. You know, I mean, (laughs) hiking, being with with a person 24 hours a day, seven days a week for six months straight on a through hike that's going to challenge your relationship, you know? And I hiked my last, the PCT with my partner and that was incredibly challenging. So, you know, but the answers are all around you. So it's sort of like, let's say you have a conflict with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, and you're, you're in on a hike, you come to a river crossing, you can choose to sit and observe the river and how it flows and how it so easily washes things away and lets things go. And you can choose to allow yourself to embody the serenity of that river, or you can ignore it and you can continue to fight with your girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to just do that to you. You have to choose to have that intention. Um, And it's really hard. And I don't always do that, but definitely over the course of my three big through hikes and my experience in the outdoors, um, it's been so healing. Um, I think it's important to mention that it's not a substitute for other things like yes. therapy, um, yes. medication. I'm a yes. big advocate for you know medication and 
it's just about what's right for you. And, you know, nature is not a substitute for that, but I think it can augment these processes. Something that I have had reflected in my experience and I've heard from a lot of hikers is that you go on a through hike to discover things about yourself that you want to work on. And then once the hike is over, then you go and get professional help. Then you do the work, Like, you know, changing. Um, and that's very much been my experience. That's sort of where I'm at now as I finished my triple crown and got, got back to therapy, learned a lot about myself, self journaling on that hike. And it's like, all right, now I have awareness and now I go to a professional to help me take action and to facilitate that. I love that. It's me. I keep in my platform. I'm, I'm always advocating for, for mental health, obviously, you know, the hikes for mental health thing I do, um, People are like, oh, and I, I started doing this. I don't need to go to therapy. I'm like, no, 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 no. Keep going to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I started hiking because my therapist said, you should start hiking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, what I love to say is hiking is not therapy, but it can be and often is therapeutic. Absolutely. You cannot substitute. Don't stop taking your meds because you decided to go on a hike. Don't stop going <laughs> to therapy. because that. And I, I, I say that understanding that for so many therapy and, and and mental health services is is a privilege because there is that cost barrier and that and that insurance barrier for so many unfortunately mm-hmm. um but still it's never it's never a substitute um yeah. shifting gears here a little bit um you you you, you, did, you tri- you've triple crowned you know you, you get to canada and you decided um you know, I, obviously I was, I was watching your Instagram and, you know, you talked about in, in Ashland at the duck pond, you were talking about mm-hmm. advocacy for the Trevor project, but you decided to really kind of, you know, be vulnerable and put yourself out there and mm-hmm. advocate for, for, for queer and, and, and trans um, issues and, you know, against, against the anti LGBTQ um, plus legislation that we're seeing all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what motivates you to do that because i mean honestly you are you're really having to be very vulnerable and putting putting yourself in the limelight um and and to a certain extent putting a target on yourself um just for you know online hate and stuff that we we all see when you could have just done this and discover yourself and and, and gone into the shadows but no you you're continuing to put yourself out here you're continuing to advocate what motivates you to do that Oh, I, I appreciate this question so much. And it really helps me to answer it because it reminds me of why I do it, you know? Um, so as I briefly mentioned, I'm a teacher and I'm a high school teacher and I'm a running coach. And it was a really difficult decision to leave my teaching job temporarily. I will be back eventually. For those looking to be a professional hiker, it just it is not financially sustainable. Uh, so don't quit your day job, as they say. But, um, you know, I realized in, um, you know, taking a sabbatical or temporarily quitting teaching that I was a better teacher to those kids by modeling and embodying the values that I profess to them every day. Um, than just telling them, right? By showing them these values in action instead of telling them, you know, because I would be a hypocrite if I go to class and I say, follow your dreams, be yourself, you know, do your best, be brave. I'm a hypocrite if I say that to my kids and I don't live those values. So I was very transparent with my students and I have a lot of queer and trans students um, who are out, you know, that's one of the benefits of, being in a place like Los Angeles is, um, you know, you can be out as queer or trans and not be scared as scared, you know, as you might. So making my classroom a safe place for my students to be themselves really provided an opportunity for that dialogue. And they would tell me, you know, I'm so, and, and I had parents coming to me too and say, you know, you explaining to the students why you're doing what you're doing, what you're doing, that has had more of an impact on them and their education than anything they could have learned, you know, about history that you taught them or whatever. Um, so I see it as not only a privilege, but a responsibility to be a role model in these spaces. You know, there's a reason that they're, you know, <laughs> Before I 
announced that I was attempting to be the first trans person to triple crown. Of course, I did my research. You know, has anyone ever done this? Have there been any trans people that have triple crown? Like, do you know any trans hikers in in general? Nobody could name a single person. Nobody could name a single trans hiker. Nobody knew if there was or wasn't a trans triple crowner. And that was my cue of like, all right, this is pretty much all I need to know. If you cannot name them, effectively they don't exist, which is not, you know, trying to erase anyone, but people need to see trans people doing big things, living their dreams, living big, beautiful, robust, and colorful lives. People need to see queer people that they can look up to. And what, you know, what inspires me to get to your question is youth you know, is my students and all of those kids. And that's particularly why I chose the Trevor Project as an organization to raise funds for, because they specifically support LGBTQ plus youth. Um, And I, I love and I care about adults as well, but youth are the ones being targeted at this time by anti-trans legislation, especially the anti-trans sports bills. And particularly trans women. And it's important to distinguish that like trans women, trans people of color are the most impacted and trans kids are the most impacted by these anti-trans sentiments. You know, 80, over 80% of anti-trans violence this year was perpetrated on, um, on trans women, like over 80% of the victims of trans violence are trans women. And trans youth are who are being legislated against, you know, they're not allowed to play on their high school sports teams of their choice. They're um, denied access to gender affirming health care more than any other group of trans people. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting gender affirming surgery, uh, top surgery in less than a month. I am a trans athlete that is allowed to compete in the spaces that are consistent with my gender identity. And it's not you know, and trans youth are most vulnerable to um, these anti-trans sentiments because they're growing up, they're forming their opinions of themselves and their understanding of the world around them. And so as a trans adult athlete, I have to be visible. I have to be a role model and I have to keep fighting and I have to be as loud as I freaking can because there really aren't that many people getting visibility and kids need to see people like me, people like my girlfriend, people like um, lots of trans athletes in various sports, um, being themselves, being uncompromising, being, you know, unabashedly themselves, not having shame. And also, like we said, calling people in, inviting people to be themselves. And this is a thing that doesn't just impact trans people, doesn't just impact queer people. I mean, this is for everyone. This is about creating the loving, supportive, athletic and outdoor community that we all want to belong to, you know, because as they say, it's like, it might be trans people today, but it could be you tomorrow. You know, you don't know we're all connected. And that's what nature teaches us is that everything is connected and that we need each other to survive. Uh, I love what you said there. It's it's everybody. Um, And there's a quote here from, from your article in outside magazine, you say people are worried about saying the wrong thing or hurting other people. But I think what's most important is that we don't let fear discourage us from trying. It's okay to make mistakes and ask questions. I love that quote because for me, my my background, I, I, I was very conservative uh, evangelical pastor mm-hmm. um, over time because of people in the LGBT community who were showed me immense amounts of patience and grace. Like, Oh my gosh, like how did you put up with my ass? Um, <laughs> and you know, in, in spaces outside the church. And then as a, as a youth pastor, my last job at a church, I, I was struggling with the, the, the LGBTQ issue, like, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden all these queer kids start coming to my youth group and I'm like, and then finally I just left. I'm like, I can't, I, I can't live this lie anymore. This isn't me. Um, you know, I, I, these kids, they, they want to come to youth group on Wednesdays, but um, they're not welcome on Sundays because, you know, they're scared of what the church will say, or they've had bad experiences with the church, obviously. Um, 
and so and, you know i left and then i immediately went to southern oregon university it was a very liberal school i'm like I'm, I'm done with this life i've been living i knew nothing though like i thought i i thought i was so you know progressive and this and that but i knew nothing i realized i knew nothing because i won my first class it was a intro to uh, screenwriting or something like that mm. and they said okay everyone introduce yourselves and tell us your pronouns and i had no idea what they meant by tell me your pronouns i'm like um um i'm i'm and just didn't realize i didn't know what i didn't know yeah um and so many, you know, I, I, that, at that point I had never had, I'd, I'd had gay and, and queer friends, but I'd never had trans friends. And, you know, at Southern Oregon University, I had so many trans friends because this is a very safe space. So a lot of uh, trans folks end up going there because this is a very safe space, a very safe university yeah. um, for, for them to go to. And I, I say all that because I was so impacted by people in the LGBTQ plus community being patient with me learning and i wanted to learn and i made so many mistakes i you mm-hmm. know, used the wrong terms i misgendered i've done all those things we all- and they showed me grace and love mm-hmm. what would you tell someone who you know i am admittedly very privileged i'm male white you know cis het formerly a protestant pastor i'm as wasp as you get yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm i am plus size and because of people like jenny Bruso who has who has believed in me i, I do have a platform in this community um, but what would you tell someone who's like, you know, I want to, I, I, I want, I want to learn, but I come from a, a very whitewashed background. What would you tell them? Mm, yeah. Oh, that's such an important question because these are the people that we need the most, you know, like I don't want to feel like I'm preaching to the choir. I mean, a lot of my work is for trans and queer people saying, you know, like, I love you. We're all, you know, we're we're here together, we're going through this, but you know, the people we really need the most are the people who don't understand, who don't know, who are scared to ask. Like, yeah, that's why I said, like, this is not just about queer and trans people. This is about all of us. Right. And you can't cherry pick who you're, who you love and accept, you know? Um, cause this is not, uh, an issue of, oh, the, on the left or on the right or red or blue. It's not a political issue. It's been politicized, but it's not a political issue. This is a human issue. This is a human rights issue. This is about the right to be who you truly are. This is about the right to the human right, the God given right to love who you love. And so I think that at its core, it's about values. And I think we have a lot more shared values than we think we do, right? People value love. People value connection. People value family. People value community. And I'm sure that for you, like in your in your work as a pastor, like you've realized I would assume, I don't want to speak for you, but you would maybe realize that your values haven't really changed. It's just the way that you perceive them or exercise them have changed. And so what I love to say, you know, I do come across lots of people who are just scared because they think they don't understand and they're scared of not understanding. What I say is, I think you do understand because you know, we're not so different. Like we care about the same things. And yes, language is important. It's sort of like, if you tell me your name, I call you by your name. I don't make up a new name. That's not your name. It's as simple as that, you know? And I would also say you don't have to understand in order to respect someone, you know, someone may not understand my lived experience as a trans person, you know, well, you know, I knew you and you were a girl and now you're a boy. No, I've always been a non-binary trans masculine person, but I didn't have the language. So it's like, you don't have to understand my gender identity. You don't have to understand trans people or gay people or whatever, but you have to respect that's what your business is. Um, So if I tell you this is my name and if I tell you these are my pronouns, then that's all there is to it. It's that simple, you know, like no one's out. No, you don't need to have a PhD in gender studies, you know, and people are like, yeah. And, and so, but I love curiosity. I, I can't speak on behalf of all trans people, but I can say for myself personally, 
and I say this as a teacher too, there are no stupid questions, you know? And so it's like, if it, if the questions are coming from a place of genuine interest and curiosity, and it's not like, you know, what's in, what's in your pants, you know, like that's not a genuine question. That's very inappropriate to ask. You would not ask that to a cis person, would you? But if it's a genuine question of, you know, my parents will ask me, like, what does non-binary mean to you? You know, what, how do you see your gender identity? You know, like, uh, how do you understand masculine, your masculinity? You know, like, I'm trying to understand because I do respect you. And we have that common ground of I, I love you. I care about you. You are, you know, and in the outdoor community, even with strangers of like, hey, we have this shared love for the outdoors. Well, what does gender have to do about it with it? You know, it has everything to do with it because it's about respect. It's about safety. It's about our common values of love, respect, trust, community, family. We all care about that. So what does gender have to do with it? It has to do with how do we respect each other? Um, so yeah, I mean, again, like I love questions, genuine questions that are from a place of love and interest. Um, there's no stupid questions, you know? Um, so I would encourage someone like, yeah, do your reading, do your research. Um, and if you're still coming up with, you know, questions, then it's okay to ask. And the person you ask may say, you know, I don't feel comfortable answering that. That's not personal. It's not because they hate you. It just means, you know, maybe Google it or ask someone else. Um, I personally am always a resource for people. I understand why this can be hard and it can seem scary and challenging. And I also think that a lot of particularly older people are like, well, you know, now everybody's non-binary. Everybody's trans. Not everybody, you know, this many people didn't used to be trans before. And it's like, Actually, yeah, people did used to be yes, trans before, yes. but people were way more scared before. And now, isn't it a beautiful thing that more people like you and like me and like so many of our friends are talking about this stuff that people feel safe to come out? And that's the other thing I would say to somebody is if you think that you don't know any queer or trans people, think again. You do they're probably just scared to tell you. So what can you do to work on yourself to be a safe person? Yeah. I all need that. It's not this issue that people have, you know, all of a sudden everyone's out as non-binary. It's like, no, these things have always been there. You look throughout history, through literature, through culture, queer and trans people have always been there, but it wasn't safe. Right. Or there was there wasn't the vocabulary, there wasn't the language, there wasn't the context to yeah. uh, you know identify you know what they were feeling on the inside, what their identity was feeling, and that's it's it's becoming it's still not very safe as you said you know forty nine states in the United States have anti trans legislation right now, um, it's still not safe, but it's 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 safer than it it once it once was, and I, I like to point this out you know anytime I get the opportunity. Um, just because, you know, it's, it's, we're seeing a lot of, you know, people coming out as non-binary and trans, they are, no, no one's trying to erase your, your masculinity or your femininity. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you can't be masculine. I'm like, no, I am a, I'm a masked dude. I, I have a, I have a beard. I have very, people look at me, you know, I put a red final shirt on and I look like a freaking lumberjack. Right, right. You know, I, 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 I like playing out in the woods. I like, you know, th- those certain things. I am not. And people are like, oh, you're gonna hang out with with queer people. You're gonna you're gonna turn queer yourself. I'm like, um, <laughs> well, so, so what if I do? One, yeah. Yeah. two, who I, I I love my gay friends. I love my queer friends. I love my trans friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm a dude. I'm a masculine dude, and that's okay. And it's okay for me to have, you know, friends of all different identities and expressions. And you can keep being. You do the stereotypical, ma- you know, masculine things: drink whiskey, smoke cigars, chop mm-hmm. wood, go fishing. Yeah. Just don't be homophobic, transphobic, or sexist while you're doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's trying to take anything away from anyone. And 
people do, you're absolutely right. People take things so personally. And I think maybe this is actually the hardest part is when you tell people like, like you'd think that this would be a relief, but it's actually, I don't know why it feels insulting to some people when you're like, Hey friend, this is not about you. (laughs) Exactly. My gender identity has nothing to do with you. You know, like I'm a trans mask person. My masculinity has nothing to do with yours. And this is not a pie that we're carving up and you get this much, I get this much. This is, this is like the night sky. It's infinite. There's an infinite number of stars and we can just coexist in this night sky together. I love that. I love that. Coexist. I, that, that is beautiful. Transitioning a little bit again here. Um, what has been your reception or what is your perception of the outdoor community it is a multi not community but um industry mm-hmm. it is a multi-billion dollar industry and i know when I, I first got into hiking in the outdoors you know in 2019 i go into rei you see pictures of, of white dudes in it but they were all like didn't look like me because they're all you know six-pack abs and just you know looks like they're in a mountain dew commercial or something you know? yeah um and there was a you know very white very you know cis um very just not what we're what what's what we're seeing now um mm-hmm. in a lot of these spaces what has been your reception in the outdoor industry and what does the outdoor industry you know the the, the gear companies the, the 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 stores the reis what do they what have they done right and what where do they still need to go from your perspective mm. That's such a good question. And this is such an important question. Because representation is so huge. Yeah. And whether we like it or not, these this is where the power is. The Unfortunately, in a capitalist society, the power is where the money is. And this is where the money is. And so, you know, we can scream on social media. I can scream to my 3,000 followers all I want. But nothing is going to change without the courage and resolve of businesses, you know, because they do have the power to affect change. So you're absolutely right. Like early, you know, in the earlier 2000s, mid mid 2010s or whatever, every poster in the magazines, you know, LLB magazines or in Aria, you know, at the stores and what have you, it's like very like white. Maybe you'd see a couple of women in there just for, you know, white women for diversity or whatever. Um, But then what happened? The outdoor community raised their voices and we said, we don't see our stories reflected in these spaces. We don't see our narratives being valued by the companies and we're not going to give you our money until you mm-hmm. reflect back to us who we are because you exist for us and that is the most important thing to remember about consumer power is that they have money because we give it to them they act they don't um like they serve us not the other way around so now we see more people of color in the advertisements and the posters, you know, maybe we'll see like a cis gay male couple holding hands on a kayak or something. And this is great. This is great progress. And this is a testament to the work that our community has done to say, you can't be it if you can't see it. So we need to see ourselves. Kids need to see themselves reflected back in these in these spaces by the industry because that's where the visibility truly is. You know what I mean? So now here we are. It's 2023 and trans people are still waiting. We are yeah. still waiting to see that change for us. Um, my partner and I, uh, we are, um, you know, somewhat sponsored by, uh, by a gear company, shout out to Deuter who makes our packs. We love Deuter. Um, and in the process over, over a year and a half ago, when we were looking for, um, brand partnerships, we we did our you know the scaffolding was like well which companies support trans people let's talk to them first so we would look on the websites we would look at the sponsored athletes not a single outdoor company had a visibly trans probably any trans person 
on their team, on their staff, on their athletes, on their ambassador pages, in their marketing, in their sponsorships, nowhere, not a single one. So we said that that was our moment where we're like, be the change you wish to see in the world. Be, be the change. So that's what she and I did. And thank goodness for Deuter. Deuter was willing to step up in an industry where barely any companies were taking the risk of visibly supporting trans athletes, especially in the outdoor industry, you know? Um, so, so Deuter took a brave uh, leap that no other company, frankly, was willing to take. And I think that my, my opinion on the industry is like, we have a long way to go in terms of valuing the work that queer and trans people do. We have a long way to go um, in terms of our, the visibility, you know, I mean, I've applied to a lot of modeling gigs with various outdoor companies. I've been turned down you know, by all of them. And I get, you know, I'm not a professional model. I don't have an agent, but why is that? You know, there's like a, there's like a financial barrier. So it's like in 2023, I would really love to see more companies take this brave lead of supporting, sponsoring, materially supporting and visibly supporting trans athletes. Um, instead of just talking about it once a year during pride month, you know, instead of sticking a rainbow on yeah, that doesn't really do us any good. And you can't have, you can't say like, you can't just talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. So maybe, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm doing this run. I've reached out to a lot of companies for partnerships. Um, during this run, I have a lot of skills. I know that I belong here and it's just going to take a brave company stepping up to the plate and, um, taking a chance on a, on a trans athlete. You know, I know that what I have is valuable and I think the world needs to see that. And I, I always, I, I know I say in the plus size community, these companies, you know, you're not above our, we say you're not above our fat dollars. Mm-hmm. you're not above BIPOC money. You're not above queer money, trans money. It all spends the same. And it's sad that in the capitalist society is what we have to do. But at the same time, not only is it important for these companies to make money, but if we don't see ourselves represented, what, what are you saying about that particular industry, that particular sport? You know, if you really are inclusive, if you're really going to stand behind that pride flag you put up on in June, let's see it 12 months out of the year. Yes. And that's the other thing I was going to say is uh, the most common excuse is, oh, we don't have enough money for this. But you know what? (laughs) I know. This is a multi billion dollar industry. Don't tell me that. Right. And so it's just like, you know what? You do have money for what you value. And that speaks volumes. You have money for what you truly care about. So that so saying you don't have money for trans athletes, that tells me all I need to know about what you value because you will find the funds to support the things you truly value. So don't tell me, "Oh, we really care about trans athletes, but we don't have the money." That tells me you don't care. You know, and I don't I don't like calling people out. Again, it's about calling people in. But come on, dude, like that's just, that's insulting is what it is. You do have money for the things you value. Yeah. They're scared of losing money because of any blowback. That's what it right. is. Right. Right. So closing up here, I, I'd like you to speak to um, the Trevor Project and this run you're doing across yeah. America. What is the Trevor Project? Um, I know when I was a conservative Christian, we would protest against it. Yeah. So that's about all I know of it. I know all the, <laughs> the, the, the bad stuff I heard, you know, years ago. Um, but there are, the Trevor Project is doing important, important life-saving work. Speak to that a little bit and, and what you're doing this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, thank you so much. The Trevor Project is a phenomenal national organization that specifically supports uh, queer youth and allies. So they um they do a lot of advocacy work on behalf of um queer and trans youth they provide a lot of resources they do a lot of 
uh, educational resources. Um, they do a lot of um, like data collection so that we know the current state of affairs for queer and trans youth. They do a lot of policy work. Um, they're probably best known for their hotline. They have uh, they do a lot of suicide prevention. Unfortunately, uh, trans youth, queer youth are at a very high risk for, um, you know, struggling with mental health and suicide. Um, that's not because being queer or trans is a mental illness. That's because it's really hard to live in a world that tells you that you don't exist, that teaches you to hate yourself. I mean, we are just... We just want to be ourselves. We just want to love who we love. But it's really hard to do that um, in a society that is currently, you know, using your very body uh, and, and spirit as a political playing field, you know. And so the, the Trevor Project is a phenomenal organization that exists specifically for the for the people who are at the highest risk, which are kids um, for, for not having support. Um, so I love the Trevor project. They do so much important work. I encourage anyone listening to go and look up the Trevor project. It's not just for LGBTQ people. It's also for allies, lots of stuff, um, that you can learn about lots of ways to get involved in supporting your local, um, you know, queer people, trans people, um, they're, and it's very, what I love about them is it's so user-friendly, so accessible, very aesthetically pleasing, you know, which I do think is important. Like this stuff is really hard and that's okay. Like, it's okay to be scared of what you don't know. It's okay to admit ignorance. And so you want a place where you feel that you're going to be, um, welcomed. So, so yeah, look, look them up. They're great. Uh, so what am I doing this year? Well, in March, I will be starting my transcontinental run to raise awareness about, um, you know, trans issues, do trans advocacy, um, at, you know, educate people about the anti-trans legislation, um, in their state or region and what they can do about it. Um, and then a big part of this run will also be fundraising. Now I'm going to do something a little different for this run. My Trevor Project fundraiser is for is connected to my previous hikes. And as much as I love them, I want to fundraise for something a little more specific and intimate. So I will be um, along the way, along my run, I will be releasing, I will be doing several different fundraisers for more local grassroots community groups that are specifically supporting um, trans youth, uh, trans people in these states that frankly have some of the worst anti-trans legislation and sentiments. Yeah. I'm going to be doing an unconventional route across the United States. I live in Southern California, so I'm just going to be pretty much running due east across Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Alabama, and I'm going to be finishing on this at the state capitol in Florida in Tallahassee, which if you read the news, you know that Florida is somewhat of an epicenter for anti-LGBTQ uh, plus legislation. Yeah, apparently it's where wokeness goes to die. I don't know. Something yeah, like <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, so I'm really excited to be running through, you know, Arizona, Texas, Alabama, Florida, the states where um, trans people and trans youth are are at more of an acute risk. Um, and I really want to focus on raising money for the groups that are doing the most out there for kids in these states, um, for trans kids in these states. Um, so I haven't yet released what groups I'll be fundraising for, but again, I'll be doing several fundraisers along the way, hopefully stopping in at some of these community centers to talk to the people there, talk to the kids, um, and really form those connections that can be life changing, life saving, uh, and really, you know, let these kids know that they have an entire community of people just because they can't see them doesn't mean that we're not there. So if you care about queer and trans youth in these states, like 
stay connected to me, stay connected to the run, and there'll be several opportunities to show up for these trans kids um, in places that are really hard to exist in for trans kids right now. Cal, thank you so much for coming on the show and for everything that you're doing. This has been an amazing conversation. If someone wanted to follow you, support you, uh, to see what you're up to, where would they go? Oh, thank you. So my Instagram is at Cal, C-A-L underscore hikes, H-I-K-E-S. From there, I have a link tree with links to all the links you could possibly want. I have the link to my Trevor Project fundraiser. I have a link to the articles that have been written about me. I have a link to, um, you know, my YouTube channel, things like that. And that is pretty much the central place where I will be posting the updates about my run, updates about the fundraisers there. I also have a link to my personal Venmo. If you want to support me financially, that is probably one of the best ways that you can show, you know, help sustain the work that I do. Unfortunately, it's not very lucrative to A, be a professional in the outdoors and B, to be a trans professional in the outdoors. Those are two strikes against me in uh, the capitalist book, unfortunately. So um, yeah, and, and beyond that, reach out, send me a message. I would love, you know, ask me your questions. Not all trans people want to be, you know, the educators or whatever, but I am quite literally an educator. So I am here for you. I can send you a message. I can send you a link to a resource. I have a lot of parents of queer and trans kids reaching out to me. um, And I have lots of links and resources for you. I would love to, you know, just get to know you. Cal, thank you so much for coming on the show and for everything you've you've done and you're doing and uh, good luck on uh, this 2023. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to the podcast and to you, Andy, and all the work you do. It's so, it's so important. And you all make sure you follow Cal on the various social media networks. Um, Give them all, all the love you can and uh, Cal is just an amazing person I am so excited to uh, we decided we're going to call each other friends like this is it's cool and uh, thank you all for, for listening and make sure you follow you you, you follow Cal just, I, I, I can't say this enough um, the work they're doing is so so important and I, I, I'm excited um, to see where this takes them so Anyways, um, again, thank you to our sponsors, Kanak Outdoors and Gregory Mountain Products. You may know them as Gregory Pax. Um, if you want to see all the other episodes, go to hikerpodcast.com. You can follow me at Andy Films and Hikes on the Instagram, on the TikTok, on the YouTube, um, yeah, and all the places. Andy Films and Hikes, like thing. You can put in andyfilmsandhikes.com. Stuff with me comes up as well. Um, so, yeah, go make sure you, you, you do that. And, uh, yeah. I, I don't have much else to say except you all are awesome. Uh, thanks for listening. New Year is here, 2023. Get out to the outdoors. Enjoy it. Love each other. Be safe. And uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. <laughs>